This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Deborah Fitzgerald, and today I have two guests in the podcast room in Bailey's Harbor. The first is Wayne Spritka. Wayne is the Facilities and Parks Director for Door County, and Burke Pinney, who is the manager of Door County Parks. Welcome to you both. You're very busy people, and so I appreciate you coming in to talk with us. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So why don't we get into a little bit about, I think, what facilities and parks means and uh, what that department does in Door County, Wayne, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. So facilities and parks as a department is rather young, actually. We combined the legacy buildings and grounds from the county and the airport and parks um, into one department. So that's, we changed it a little bit. We sent the airport to the highway department as part of transportation. And then um, we identified that pretty much every park is a facility, so it had a natural fit uh, when it comes to some of the grants and different regulations and requirements and just managing people on a broader perspective, you know, across the county. Okay. Um, so when we talk about facilities specifically, it can be anything from the maintenance of a 911 tower. So people forget about our, our multiple towers since our county's long and lean. We have a, a lot of uh, towers along the, the county. Oh, sure. For, How many do we have? How many 911 towers? I, I certainly have not thought of that. Sure. So so we take care of seven. Okay. But I believe there's probably more like 16. So we don't take care of the ones on Washington Island or Chambers Island or uh, far to the north. Most of ours are south. And we talk about maintenance. It's generators and uh, HVAC controls, um, you know, to keep things cool in the summer hmm. and then to keep the temperature regulated in the winter as well okay. in these remote spaces. So that's something that a lot of people forget about. And then every county building or construction project that has to do with brick and mortar, that comes through my office and through my management. So I'm generally the construction manager for the county. On some projects, we do hire out. I'm not a construction manager by trade. Um, I've got a former military background. So every now and then I need to have help on some of the bigger projects. And you have had a couple of uh, bigger ones. I think uh, there was one in Washington Island, and then you had a really unique one at the Justice Center over the past year. The, the sex Center. offender oh, housing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the, the, the state statute is the Chapter 980 um, sex offender housing for uh, violent sex offenders that are in the process of being released from prison. Yes. So these are folks that have uh, been in prison for a long time. They've gone through a number of different psychological evaluations in order to qualify for this program. And then they have to meet certain criteria from the state. I don't get involved in the people. The, the process that I used was really to have the idea to locate the two houses that we have right at the Justice Center site. So it's a, it's basically a, a law from the state that if someone is put into prison from your county, they need to go back to your county. Which is a change. And so it that's is. why a lot of uh, people didn't really understand why the county was putting money toward this. But it, that is a change. It used to be that they could be 
housed anywhere in across the state. Now they need to go back to the county where they were actually convicted, and that normally is their home county. Correct. Correct. Right. It, it, I mean, it's it's possible that they could go somewhere else, but then the the local county where they should have gone back to will incur fines and penalties right. um, for every month that they're not um, right. housed in their own places. Okay, so yeah. so your job is is pretty wide ranging in terms of you know construction sure. projects and overseeing the park system, but then you have Burke here, mm-hmm. who is uh, the manager of all of the parks and. So, Burke, you have a very well-known name, Burke Penny. It is on several of our parks. Well, one park is named after your dad, George. And I've seen a couple of markers in other places as well. But can you tell us a little bit about your background and what it is that you do? Yeah. uh, Well, as everybody knows, I grew up in the county here. I went away for school and ended up staying in Madison for 14 years after that, working for the DNR and then Dane County Parks. Okay. Um, So I was... Before my father was ill and passed away, I was dabbling in parks already. Okay. Uh, so I was on that trajectory. Okay. I uh, knew that I wanted to do something outdoors and kind of just waited around for the right opportunity to come up in Door County to be able to move back. Oh, excellent. And so... And what year was that? I moved back in 2019 and okay. I worked for the village of Sister Bay uh, oh. for a short time before this position came open. Okay. And then I transferred to the county. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's not something that you've been working for your entire life and moving up within. It it has in a way. Parks overall are my life, you know, and I knew that I want to be in parks. And it just so happened that this opportunity came about at the right time and I ended up back home, which is wonderful. Okay. And Wayne, what is your background? You said that you had a military career before this? Sure. So I had joined the Coast Guard um, right out of high school, 17 years old, and stayed for 24 years. So yeah, I went through a lot of stations on the Great Lakes here, including icebreakers, we had been in Door County originally in 1990 for quite a few years, and then we came back again. And then we were back a third time uh, for command to take over the, the station there um, for five years, and then decided to retire there and, and raise our family here. And for uh, your second career. Okay. Right. And yeah, so, you know, this was a pretty natural fit. Okay. Um, around the Coast Guard, I've had a number of different lighthouse projects and construction projects at small boat stations and remodeling projects at very large stations. Marblehead, Ohio, for instance, I think we had about two dozen housing units there where the single folks would stay right at the base. And so that was a pretty big undertaking that we did there. So I kind of have a little bit of construction background to dabble in, but um, this has really taken it to the next level. Sure. And it's a a wide ranging project. I mean, you might have that housing at the Justice Center, but then you're converting an historic building on Washington Island into uh, an emergency services facility. Sure. So we just finished that uh, building in the fall of 21. And it was the historic island dairy that we've renovated and added on to some sections in order to have a place for EMS on the Washington Island there. And as well, there's public spaces that could be used for other for other events. So health and human services might want to do shots or flu shots, or maybe the, the sheriff's department has something going on. They can utilize those facilities when they go up to the island. Okay. Well, it sounds kind of interesting, like no day is exactly the same when you've got all of those different things going on. But you also... But right before you came here, you were at a Green Tier Summit here in Door County among all of the municipalities in the county 
who are participating in that program or are green tier communities. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Certainly. So they called it a green tier summit for the cities and villages that are in Door County. Egg Harbor was the first one in 2017. And since we've had a number of others come on board, Door County has been on board for two years now. And so the green tier communities is really, you do an assessment on yourself and you try and do a scorecard. You write resolutions to become one. It's kind of self-designated, but then you work to achieve multiple goals mm-hmm. in sustainability. Okay. Um, so, and that can be across the board. So some easy things are like LED lighting or night sky initiatives, you know, to keep our skies dark and see our stars all the way up to creating ordinances, tree ordinances, maybe, or maybe there's some single stream plastic things that we want to get rid of in a certain capacity, whether it's a a restaurant or something like that. It's the gamut, really. So it's a DNR, Wisconsin DNR program that we've kind of, I don't want to say bought into, but we we have buy-in to the program to just make our world a little more sustainable. Okay. What I thought was really cool about that, now you said that it was the first time that you've had a summit like this, is that we've been aware we've covered some of the green tier initiatives that each of the communities have participated in, but everybody seems to always do their own thing without Mm -hmm. much communication between those municipalities. So some people could be reinventing, you know, the wheel. So that was really cool to hear that you're all coming together to share the things that you are doing and would like to do. Yeah, you know, specifically, and and Burke's very involved in this, we're on a collaboration with uh, the the Village of Egg Harbor on the Beyond Pesticides program. And that's um, Mm -hmm. in treating our lawns and our parks in a different way. So to get away from the use of any pesticides at all. So we started that program last fall with some soil sampling. Um, we had a few meetings online with the company that we're working with. So we partnered with Egg Harbor because they, they couldn't manage the expense on their own. Um, oh. And so that was something that they had reached out to me the year before, and we were able to put some money into our budget. And it, it really is a good idea. So we're using Frank Murphy Park yep. as our satellite park. Excellent. That we can hopefully get some results and use it across our other 19 county parks. Oh, that would be wonderful. It was just this morning. I was running, I live north of Little Harbor. So as I'm running along Bayshore Drive and there are these tiny little swaths of green right next to the river wrap and there are all these signs, stay off, freshly pesticide id pesticided. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, no, seriously, there should be something against doing it that close to the water. But it's good to hear that the county is kind of leading the way on this and and trying to show that, you know, you don't need to do this right along the shore. Is that the basic idea or what is it? Well, with Murphy, we never put down pesticides or herbicides on that lawn to begin with. What we're encountering now is extensive use of the park, much more than it used to be. We're also experiencing that at Cape Point where the grass is really suffering. And Uh. there are points at Cape Point that we don't even mow anymore simply because the the grass is so beaten down from foot traffic across the entire lawn. Murphy Park is starting to get that way in certain areas due to the large amount of beachgoers that go there now. Mm -hmm. And that really picked up during COVID uh, quite substantially. 2020 was very different from 2019. Uh, as far as the amount of people that were utilizing all the parks. Right. But at Murphy, we're starting to see the damage, the long-term damage to the grass. And so we want to find ways that are natural, that won't harm the environment, to give that grass the strength to be able to endure 
all that foot traffic. Okay. So then you, what you're talking about is a little bit different. It's not trying to get rid of pests. It's trying to actually help the health of the grass that's already there. And if we have pests, we have more and more invasives coming into the county. We now have the jumping worm that's starting to show up. Yes. And understanding the biology and the chemistry, the soil that we have in each park. Mm-hmm. And then also understanding the amount to use those parks get We're working with this Beyond Pesticides to find ways to manage that turf in a very environmental and sustainable way Mm. uh, without using those harsh chemicals or pesticides. Okay. Are you talking about fertilizers as well? Is that, or or just pesticides? So this is Beyond Pesticides, but they do uh, analyze the soil Mm -hmm. for everything biological and chemistry. And then they give you recommendations, say nitrogen, phosphorus. What are you lacking in your soil? You know, what can we do that can not be the, you know, the topical application type stuff that you see that runs off like we were just talking about. Yes. What can we do to make sure that the the chemistry and the biology of the soil are always healthy in a natural way? Okay. So now that we're talking about parks, let's launch into parks because sure. I'm sure that's what's keeping you all busy this time <laughs> of year. Um, it's, it's about high season almost or getting close to the season. So how many parks do we have and what is it you're doing right now to get ready for the season? We'll start with Burke. As of two weeks ago, we have 20 county parks. Uh, so we had 19, and we just made Plum Bottom, which is a former wayside that was turned over from the highway department managed it, took care of it as a wayside. The state stopped funding that program for the waysides, and so the Facilities and Parks Department took it over in June of 2020. Uh, we've been treating it the last couple of years just like any other park that we have. You know, regular cleanups, you know, we have doggy bags. We'll be having new restrooms put in this fall. Oh, good. And so next year, I believe we're also scheduled to repave that parking lot, redo that. Uh, so spruce it up. Uh, we have eventual plans for a little hiking trail of there's dead ash and things like that, not cutting down live trees, but a nice little hiking trail just for people to stretch their legs, walk their dog. Sure. Uh, you know, and that's the biggest use we're finding in that park is folks stopping okay. and stretching their legs, especially in summertime. All right. It's a good spot to walk the dog. And, you know, if you're heading up to Washington Island or further north, you know, on uh, mainland or county, then it's a wonderful little place to stop. And we're glad to make it, a, make it an official park. And that way we can apply for grants for these things, too. Yeah, we have a little something in uh, this week's paper that's coming out on Friday on this 20th park. Oh. Um, So, and I think that that's, Wayne, what you were talking about when the county board authorized this is that it now enables you to apply for grants, whereas before you just... It was just a county property. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. So you have 20 parks now. What are you doing at this time of year in order to get ready for the tourism season? Well, one of the first things we do when the snow melts is trash cleanup. Uh, there is a lot of that in springtime. Uh, yeah. It gets plowed up into piles. You know, you don't see it after a fresh snowfall, and, and it all appears in the spring. Uh, there's a lot of turf cleanup from plow damage, individuals. There might be some vandalism from winter. Then we start opening some of the restrooms back up that might have been closed, as well as putting all the docks out at our boat launches. There's different things every year. There is the normal stuff that you do, such as turning on the water this next week at Bailey's Harbor restrooms, prepping beaches and boat launches and shelters and picnic tables, putting those all back out, uh, inspecting all the grills to make sure that they're good for the summer. and But then you get the random things, too. Uh, We get little bits of vandalism that we discover not until spring when everything's cleared away. Some kids really enjoy the... Really enjoy grass and putting their vehicles in them and mm-hmm. going in circles. So uh, that's that's one of the bigger ones. Okay. Uh, but 
So what is the uh, most popular county park, Dora County Park? Hands down Cave Point. Okay, and uh, that's in Bailey's Harbor, technically? That is, or is actually it Jacksonport. That's, that's actually Sevastopol. It's Sevastopol Town. I always wonder yeah, about that. A little that bit because of both. It's just, okay. Jacksonport is literally... 200 feet north of that parking lot is where mm. the township starts. So technically it's Sevastopol. Yes. All yes. right. The, the main road that everybody takes into the park, passing Whitefish Dunes, that's all town of yes. Sevastopol. Okay. So Cape Point is very unique in that it's located within a state park. So in order to get to it, you have to go through a state park. Correct. And then you can stop at Cape Point. And in order to get out, whether you go back the way you came or continue north, you enter a state park again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's... It's pretty unique in that fashion as well. And that's Whitefish Dune State Park. Correct. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that is hands down the busiest oh, by, county park. Oh, by a wide margin. Yes. Do you have any idea of the number of people who visit each one of these county parks? Is there a way to, to ascertain that? Yeah. So we, we've been keeping counters at certain parks. And, uh, for example, Cape Point last year. Okay. The last time that we had counters there was in 2010, and that number was about 400,000 people. From when to when? That was from all the way in the beginning of the year toward to the end of the year. Okay, so January through December. Yes. And when you say counters, do you mean a car? Yeah. Okay. So so what we do is we put one at the north entrance, the south entrance, and if someone's driving in there or riding their bicycle, they have to pass the counters, right? Okay. No matter which direction they go. Okay, so it counts a bike even, so it's not a certain weight or is, okay. Nope, nope, no, it's a a laser. Gotcha. And so we divide by two because they have to leave the park. So that's how we know how many vehicles or, you know, individual modes of transportation are coming in. And then we average that there's about three and a half people is what our estimate is per vehicle. Okay. Because it's families. We get tour buses. Sure. But then you do get, you know, the one person coming to watch the sunrise in the in the morning. But yes. then you get a van full of 10 people. Okay. We did that this last year from the first week of May. And we took the counters down the week after Labor Day. And we had broken a million. May through Labor Day, and you broke a million? Correct. And in 2010 was the last time you did it there, and it was 400000 for the for the whole year? Correct. Mm, yes. My goodness. So when we say that the parks are being stressed and used quite a bit, it's, it's we're not exaggerating. That's only three months. Yeah, that's correct. So for three months, <laughs> sorry, I'm just trying I, to, okay, three months, a million people at Cave Point Park. That's, okay. that's our estimate, correct. Wow. So, okay. so that's our scientific estimate. Yes. The, sure. The unscientific would be the amount of garbage that we have. And bathroom pump And outs. the number of times we have to pump out the pit toilets there. Okay. So, so what's the indication of relevant. that? Yeah. Uh, sure. So yeah. the pit toilets, how often did you uh, used to do it and how often do you do it now? Back in those 2010 years, it was once a year, maybe once every year and a half. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing it a minimum of three times a year, if not four times a year. Wow. Okay. So the, the numbers do, kind of, they do align. Sure. Um, sure. And that's also with trash. We're doing twice daily trash pickups now. That wasn't a thing before. So now, obviously, tourism is a a good and bad thing, depending upon who you talk to. I mean, we want it to be a sustainable type of tourism. We want it to be a good experience for the visitor, but we always want it to be a good experience for the people who live here as well. We're the ones who are paying, all property owners are paying, you know, taxes on the services that are provided by the County of Door government. So what do you see in terms of the pros and the cons of the numbers of tourists that you're seeing at county parks? 
Well, it brings more money into the county for the individual business owners. Uh, anybody who, you know, is business is centered around tourism, that's a direct indication that they'll be doing well as well. People have to stop for food. They have to stop for lodging. They have to stop for fuel. So that's a good indication of the state of the tourism economy up mm-hmm. here. However, there's environmental degradation that comes with that, you know. Mm-hmm. If you have one person walk over an area of grass, it doesn't do anything. If you have a million people walk over that same spot, it's no longer grass. Mm-hmm. It's, it becomes just down to the soil. Okay. And trying to educate individuals is our current method of letting them, especially staying on paths. Okay. And the parks that we do a pass, which we do have in Cape Point on the backside there. Okay. We strongly encourage and want to educate people to stay on those paths because that will help prevent that type of environmental degradation that we're getting in the various parks. Are you doing that through like signage or how is it that you're you're evolving to adapt to the larger number of visitors? So signage and interviews like this, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as announcements on our website and press releases, basically any method that we can find to Mm -hmm. convey information to individuals. Okay. And so now Cave Point, that's a busy park. Have you taken these counts? at any of the other parks? Yeah, and so that's the one that I know the numbers off the top of my head of. Sure. However, we the last two years we have done Ellison Bluff and Door Bluff Headlands because those are fall color type parks sure. that folks love driving through. And those numbers for, for Ellison Bluff, I want to say, we've only had them up. Uh, we'd put them up for about a month. So we'd, right, you know, from the beginning of when the leaves start turning to peak and then when okay. they're off to really get that kind of feel. Sure. And Ellison Bluff, uh, I believe, had around 60,000. Okay. Um, and that's in and out. A lot of folks just drive in, drive out, sure. you know. And that car count is obviously accurate. There's one in, one out. Mm-hmm. And Door Bluff Headlands was significantly less busy over that same time period. Oh, um, coming okay. in only only around 10,000 or so. Okay. Um, but, and once again, folks drive in and out of there all day. They may not stop and stay at all. They just want to see the colors and right. in and out. Okay. So. The parks are open year-round, right? So it's not. So with Cave Point, can you talk about some of the some of the challenges that you have at that particular park that maybe you don't have at any of the others? Well, it's, uh, the challenge is there. We have other parks that are similar, Door Bluff Headlands, Ellison Bluff. With those parks, we ask individuals to be very cognizant of what they're doing, uh, of their actions, where they're walking, because it there are bluffs, you sure. know, and, you know, and sometimes you think you can get a little bit closer and I want a better view and that's not, not the best idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ask individuals at all those parks to, you know, just be present in the moment mm-hmm. and be aware of all your surroundings. And because our parks are open year-round, you know, there's ice in the wintertime. There might be slick rocks in the summertime. Uh, so you just have to know what the weather conditions are and just be very, very, uh, very present in that moment. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. 
Now, has the park's budget increased, Wayne, since uh, over the years? Does it does it get more expensive to maintain parks with increased visitation, or does it is, is that not an issue beyond the trash removal and, I guess, the pit toilet removal? Sure. So when we start thinking about the budgets, the things that we've been fortunate to increase are some of the contracts. So as you can imagine, we do contract some services, and those are going to go up like any economy, sure. right? So we've been able to raise those. But the park's budget stays pretty stale. It's, it's, it's pretty even keel. A lot of the funding that comes for our parks and our programs come from grants. Ah. So we, we have the, uh, the Friends of the Door County Parks group, which is an outstanding group that does fundraising for us. And many times we will look to them for our grant matches. So we're not even getting into the tax levy dollars for grant matches. Okay. We have been starting to put in a professional services fund. And so that'll help with some of the projects and engineering and things like that that we want to get done, whether it's a bike trail or maybe there's, um, boy, I don't want to use boat launch for an example, because that's completely self-sustaining. So okay. all boat launch fees go back to boat launches. Okay. And so that that is not funded by any tax levy dollars. Mm-hmm. So anything that has associated with uh, a boat launch, whether we have to do a study on a brake wall or we're going to replace docks. So we've got a number of dock replacements this year. Those will all come from boat launch funds, which are carried over from year to year. And that fund, gosh, I want to say it's probably north of three hundred or $400,000. It kind of sits right in there. Yeah. We take in quite a bit of revenue for boat launches. And that's, that's part of the program. And it's written into the policy that boat launch fees stay with boat launches. It can't be used for other programs within the county. Okay. And so how many boat launches do we have in Door County? Seven. Seven. Okay. And so at each of those boat launches, if we just describe to listeners how they work, if they don't use a boat or go fishing, how, how do those operate? Yeah, so it varies by park. Uh, Our three busiest boat launches are Carmody in Little Sturgeon. That's the busiest. George Penny, just north of Sturgeon Bay, would come in at number two. And Shidwar's Dock in Southern Door in the township of Brussels would come in at number three. And Shidwar's Dock, the only reason it comes in at number three is we just simply don't have enough parking. Otherwise, that one could very well be the number one park. Oh, seriously? Uh, As far as boat launches What is the draw there? It's wonderful fishing. Okay. So, and uh, a lot of folks, what they do is they'll launch at Bayshore County Park in Brown County. And then when that's full, they migrate up to Shidwars. And then that full, they migrate up to Carmody. So it's very good fishing in that area. Okay. Now, those three parks have automated pay stations in them, which we're currently in the process of upgrading. And when we're done with that, that'll actually dispense the annual sticker as well. Oh. Uh, but you can purchase with credit card or cash uh, a daily or an annual permit at those locations. Uh, Otherwise, the annual permit needs to be purchased online or in person. There's application online or you can pay credit card right online. And the other parks, the other four boat launch parks, three of them we charge for and one we do not, which is Sugar Creek, because there's no dock in there. Where is Sugar Creek? So that is on County N, and it's about 3.5 miles north of Shidwar's Dock. Okay. Yeah, so Sugar Creek hosts a golf frisbee course oh. correct 18 holes okay in the okay. woods okay. Uh, along the creek okay and for that annual pass which how much does that cost it's 50 dollars for everybody whether you're a resident or not okay and what does that give you access to all seven boat launches uh for that for the entire 2022 
So they are able to uh, launch their boat into Correct. the water from any one of those locations once they have that annual permit Correct. or a day day pass. Yes, and the okay. day passes are $7. Okay. Uh, so that always has to be the same price or less than the state park admission, which is $8 right now for a day. And so we keep it at $7. We like to keep a little bit lower there. And if you buy seven of those, you're essentially buying a, an annual. Mm. So we encourage folks to think about that when they're like, this is my 10th time here. And I'm like, well, we appreciate the business, but for you financial, it would make more sense to buy an annual. Right. Okay. So what kind of revenue are we talking that these boat launches bring in on an annual basis? Last year was about $116,000. Okay. Has that gone um, up? Have you seen increases in the revenue? So it actually went down a little bit last year because more people bought annuals than dailies. Oh. But the the numbers overall were obviously up. Okay. But more folks were buying annuals uh, instead of those dailies. In 2020, when the pandemic first hit, a lot of folks had just bought boats. Hmm. They weren't sure, you know, they, they may not have been thinking that they could buy an annual. And so we had a lot of folks just continually buy dailies. And that's when we started, when we'd see folks and talk to them, letting them know it might be in your best interest just to buy an annual. Sure. Uh, but Something else, those numbers sound huge, but something else to keep in mind is the projects we do also cost a significant amount of money. Uh, there'll be dredging that'll have to be done if the water continues to drop here in order to keep uh, parks like Shitwear's Dock open. That'll go in the three hundred dollars to $400,000 range. So that'll wipe out the entire fund. Hmm. However, we would go for grants for that. So we'd get a, hopefully at least a minimum of 50%. But the projects are very expensive and all that money goes back into that. New docks, repaving parking lots, new bathrooms, lighting upgrades, all that money from all the users goes right back to just those parks. Okay. Now, and so you do take donations when Correct. it comes to uh, any of, I know that when I'm covering the county, it seems like a lot of times there are grants that are coming for the boat launch facilities. Mm -hmm. And to add, for instance, I think you added a kayak launch at your... Little Sturgeon, Carmody Park. Little Sturgeon. Park. Okay. Yep. So... Yeah. So you're constantly looking at ways to increase those as, as needs change? Yes. Yep. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the needs of the public is changing all the time. And so that is actually uh, the first handicapped kayak launch, right, in the county hmm. was at that specific park. And, and I believe we capitalized on two or three different grants for that project. So that went pretty well. I think there's some other municipalities that are now putting one in Sturgeon, City of Sturgeon Bay. Yep. I think they're putting one at Bullhead Point. Correct. Um, so they kind of use the same model okay. um, for that. So as the user groups change, we want to make that accessible to folks. Right? Sure. And kayaking is really hot right now in Door County. Um, so why not make it accessible? Okay. So what are some of the exciting projects coming up in the future of facilities and parks in Door County? So... One that we've already kicked off is our fourth and final phase of Cana Island. A lot of people forget that Cana Island is a county park. Right. So we had gotten that through the Bureau of Land Management, and that was really a big effort by, by Burke's dad. George had a lot to do with that. And I've come on board, finished phase two, took on phase three, and built the new interpretive center out there at the highest water levels we've had. <laughs> oh. um, but we got it done. Uh, beautiful building. And now we're into phase four, which is the renovation of the interior of the lighthouse and the interior of the keeper's quarters. So I've been doing on-site weekly meetings out there, crawling around in the basements and different areas. Right now, it's a lot of remediation of and abatement of lead and asbestos in those facilities so that we can get it aired out. And that's going to come along really well. We're hoping to have all that construction done by August. 
for the Fall Lighthouse Festival. And the project comes in a little over $1.14 million or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something really important to know about Cana Island is that is another self-sustaining area. So the Door County Maritime Museum manages Cana Island for us. And then we have a profit share with them for the revenue on that island and that all those monies go right back into the restoration of the island. Okay. And you got a significant uh, amount of grant money for that project, did you not? Yeah. So the Maritime Museum has been working on a number of different grants. They did receive one for 270000 from the Nelson Family Fund. I want to say they got another one from a local generous donor that wants to be anonymous. And then they are competing for a half a million dollars with I think it's the, oh goodness, it could be Bureau of Land Management, Save Our Historic Places. I, I forget which which federal agency it is, but it's one that you don't hear a lot about. Okay. Um, we should be in a good place for that one. We have, you know, support from uh, both senators and as well uh, Mike Gallagher. Okay. You know, so we had letters of support from our, our local folks as well for that grant. Okay. And so th- I'm sure that that is a highly visited Absolutely, place yes. as well. Yeah. Okay. Th- another icon yep. really, you know, you, you can't Google Door County or Sturgeon Bay without mm-hmm. Cave Point or Cana Island or the lighthouse at the canal station, right? Those are the three things that come up visually usually. Sure. Very highly visited. Okay. And any other exciting projects coming up? Uh, right now, we're resurfacing 5.2 miles of the Anape State Trail, mm-hmm. oh. and that'll be from Sturgeon Bay South, 4.2 miles, and then the mile from the county line north up to Forestville. Okay. And those are the, the two worst areas of the trail, and we see grant monies for that as well. Wonderful. Um, that's been stalled out. We were hoping to have it done by this point, but we've had such a wet spring that uh, the highway department is doing the, the work for us. And their equipment is too heavy to go on the trail right now, simply because it's too soft. Sure. And so we're waiting for things to firm up a bit, dry out a bit, before we get that equipment back out there and uh, resurface uh, those portions of the trail. There's there's sections of it that have shrunk. Just through years, they haven't had material added to them for a long time. As we know, everyone who has a driveway, things eventually just kind of wear away and break down. And, so the, for snowmobile trails, uh, that needs to be 10 feet wide at minimum, and there's some areas that have gone below 10 feet. And so we're widening that back out to 10 feet, and we'll also reestablish the edges. There's a lot of sumac, and, and there's invasives growing on some of the sides. We plan on clearing those out as well and reestablishing a six-foot buffer from the edge of the trail for safety reasons. Mm. And so we'll be uh, the area near County S is one that individuals will call us about frequently. Water is either on the trail or close to it. Mm -hmm. So that'll actually be raised up about three inches uh, to prevent that kind of uh, water coming through. Okay. Now, is that a well-used trail? It is. It is. Because it always seems a little off the radar, but maybe it's not. So we have 12 and a half miles of it in the county here. So folks can be down in, you know, there might be a a group of 20 folks down on the southern end, and you'd never know it, uh, 12 miles north on the other end in certain sure. days. So it's difficult to judge how many people actually use it because so many folks will get on the trail at Maplewood, ride to Sturgeon Bay, or they'll get on a Forestville, ride to Maple. You know, there's all kinds of different routes to get on and off. Okay. And so really nailing down the number of users is difficult. Right, but 12 and a half miles, that's pretty significant. Yeah, yep, is, Are there any movements to actually extend that trail so that it connects even more municipalities or even cross counties? It does go into Kewanee County, mm-hmm. um, and there is a total of about 50 miles now of Anape State Trail. Okay. So the majority is in Kewanee. The eventual goal would be to connect that to Green Bay. 
Okay. Which would be amazing. So you could ride your bicycle off-road all the way from Sturgeon Bay to Green Bay. Right. One thing that we're looking at and just in the very preliminary stages of right now is a further extension northwards uh, of the trail system. So we have the two paved sections immediately when you get on the north side of the Highway 4257 bridge. Okay. And our next goal will be to extend that trail to Egg Harbor Road. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So that'll provide, you know, bike routes for individuals past neighborhoods. You have clinics over there, grocery stores. Yep. And really will help a lot of folks with alternate transportation methods. So would that be right along 42 and 57 or would you be going a different route? No, we'd, we'd be staying along the highway there okay. for that portion. Okay. And so we're in the preliminary phases of finding out, you know, where, what's the best route for it okay. uh, as far as to where near the highway to put it. Uh, right. So we're, we actually received a donation from our, our friends group to help us fund a study that'll look into that for us. Oh, excellent. When are you conducting that study? So the, the donation has to go through the process first. It needs to be accepted by the county board. So nothing will be moving in at least for a month. Mm-hmm. However, uh, once that's done, then we can contract out uh, with, um, uh, we're, we'll be using Omni which is a company that helped with the other portion of the bike trail from Utah to Michigan. Okay. So they're very familiar with the area, um, the county, and what we're looking for. Okay. Well, it's really interesting because we just came out with our sustainability issue a couple of weeks ago, and it was all about making connections. It was about transportation, trails, you know, trying to connect people in ways that aren't so reliant upon just cars going really fast on roads. You know, um, yeah, trying to bring more active forms of transportation to Dora County, because despite the fact that, you know, we have lots of visitors up here, we really don't have a lot of facilities where you can walk and bike, unless you're in a state park right. or a county park or on the Anape Trail. That's really, you know, the only time that you're going to be doing that. So it is exciting to hear that yes. yeah. it would actually connect people to a, you know, a downtown area. Well, in, in this particular section, we'll connect to some Pretty important services. Yes. Yep. You know, so the, the, the YMCA Aurora, Aurora right Healthcare is right there that it'll go by. And then the, the grocery store, of course. Right. So those are some things that, you know, people might say, hey, I'm going to walk or maybe take my bike or, I don't know, rollerblade to the store instead because I only need two things instead of driving my car. And, of course, you know, that's in the in- immediate community, but that impact can spread and grow wings as well in other communities when they see those models. Absolutely. And I was talking with a a policy um, expert from Transportation for America last week on the podcast, and he was talking about um, how they do a lot of work with rural communities Mm -hmm. because most of the time what they find is that Congress people think that rural people really do want to drive 45 minutes to a grocery store. (laughs) And, you know, the answer is no, they don't. (laughs) And there are ways to, you know, enable people to walk and bike to places, even if you are in a rural area, while keeping, you know, the the charm, which is what everybody wants. So it's so exciting to hear about that project. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of what's up and coming? I'm kind of interested about the future of parks. Like if visitation continues, you know, like what do you see in the future? Well, one of the issues we're facing right now that everybody's facing is employment. We're having trouble getting seasonals. Uh, We are at 58% staffed right now. Wow. So those individuals, mind you, we do only have 12 seasonals, but that's seven out of 12 that we have. Mm -hmm. But those extra five bodies make a huge difference. Okay. I mean, a tremendous difference. So Has this happened over a period of time or is this a recent, you know, It's it's recent uh, since the pandemic. So in... 
2020, uh, the hirees were, you know, all hired before the pandemic really took off and we had full staff, 12 out of 12. And then last year it went to eight out of 12. All those eight were returnees. Uh, The four that left were college students that graduated, moved on to bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had a couple folks this last year, one actually transitioned to a full-time job at the county, which Mm -hmm. is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And uh, another individual runs a private business that is now, you know, running at seven days a week. So kudos to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we lost some folks that way. But this year we were able only to replace one of our college students. Oh. uh, And the rest are uh, returnees. And a lot of those folks are already retired that are coming back, uh, the other six. Okay. So this is just a fun thing for them to do. You know, it's, they're not starting out a career. Sure. But that's a struggle that we'll face in the future and everybody will. Sure. And everybody is. I mean, the labor shortage is not new, but, you know, certainly this is, sounds like kind of a fun job. You would be outside operating heavy machinery? It's a a mix of everything. (laughs) So we have cleaners that go around the county and they actually traverse the entire county every single day. Ah. And they get to do fun things like walk our trails and look Mm. for litter and, Mm -hmm. you know. um, (laughs) (laughs) And then we do have some folks that are, uh, we have one person that's just a dedicated CDL driver and he operates heavy equipment. Mm -hmm. He's a retired farmer. So, you know, great person to have in that position. Then we have some folks that are kind of just general jack of all trades where some days they'll be on the cleaning route. Some days they'll be uh, chipping up down branches. You know, it varies. Uh, So really what you'd be doing is a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it does operate seven days a week. Mm. So there are some folks that are just Monday through Friday that are, there are some that are Wednesday through Sunday. There's, uh, we have a variety of different shifts based on the positions. Okay. So you do have some positions open. Correct. And you handle that pretty well. I've called your um, department a couple of times. And so you have that, you know, you don't, you're not fully staffed right now. And so it may take you a little bit longer to get back to sure. people. So, I mean, it's good to let people know that, um, you know, the challenges that you're facing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and as far as environmentally and the more individuals coming to this county, we'll look to other counties uh, as well as to our own internal processes for ideas and processes to implement that'll help maintain the parks and keep them as healthy as we want them to be, while as allowing all these folks to come in and experience that as well. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing any uh, deterioration of health of the parks uh, other than the grass that you were noting at Frankie Murphy Park? No, the, uh, the, the grass is the big thing right now, but that's an indicator of things that could come. I mean, we have an ash tree crisis like the rest of everybody. So that's another big issue right now is uh, we're going to be beginning to replant some of the trees that we're taking down that are beginning to threaten infrastructure, such as falling across roadways or into parking lots. And they've been, you know, gone for years, uh, dead for years. Right. Uh, so how, it's just dry wood. Sure. How about that? I mean, which parks are, are being most devastated by the ash borer so far? Ellison Bluff has quite a bit. Door Bluff Headlands has quite a bit. Actually, our crew is up there today removing some trees that were very ready to come down. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want them coming down on anybody or anything. So we've been up there the last two days taking down dead ash trees um, wow. to try as preventative Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's the important takeaway is, you know, if it's in the middle of a park and it's a dead ash, that's habitat. Yep, we're right? not touching that. So so okay. we leave that alone. You know, if those fall, it can be habitat or habitat before it falls, right? So a lot of birds and animals and things use those cavities. Okay. Um, but if it's associated with a parking lot or a road or a trail, 
where, you know, someone could get hurt, then we try to be proactive and take care of that ahead of time. Okay. Infrastructure and safety are the two yeah. things we want to protect the most. Okay. Yeah. So it was Laura LaSalle. When we talk about infrastructure, we did a partial riprap project there when we had the high water. We didn't put riprap on the entire shorefront, but the sections that would have impacted infrastructure, which is the parking lot and the access to the park, that's where we did the protection measures. Okay. With the ash trees, what percentage of trees in Door County do you think are ash? That I couldn't tell you. That would be a better question for the, uh, the department next to us, uh, soil sure. and water. Yeah, I'm just curious, um, like when we would start noticing that the ash trees are definitely um, oh, I gone. Think, I think well, everyone's noticing. Yeah, go go sure. to uh, yeah. some of the swamps, uh, mm-hmm. Gardner Swamp or the swamp just south of Forestville during the middle of summer when all the trees should be fully out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll see how that's affected those areas with heavy black ash populations. Okay, so maybe we've already seen it, but we're not really registering that, you know. I, it's well, I, I, I think this summer we'll see it yes. the most because those things are not going to green up this year, yep. okay. right? And okay. I think people will be able to, be aware of it more visually where, you know, in the years that it's been coming, you know, they're partially dead or, you know, you see a little bit that's gone, but we have entire blocks of trees that are just gone. Really? Okay. Okay. There were some ash trees up in Ellison and Headlands last year that still had some leaves on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The tops were dead, which is a good indicator that the next year the tree will be completely leafless. Sure. And so that's what we're going to be seeing this year and folks will be taking more note. Okay. So it it definitely has ratcheted up then. It's not. Okay. Yeah. I think we've noticed on our property too that I, I don't think that we knew that there were ash trees until we saw that oh. they were dead. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that was probably the big difference. Well, I wish you guys a good season. And it will be actually, a, well, it's year-round, so it's not just the season. But I know it's a lot busier during the tourist season. And thank you so much for both of you for taking the time to come on and talk about what's happening. I appreciate it. Good. Again, this is uh, Deborah Fitzgerald. I was talking with uh, Wayne Spritka, Facilities and Parks Director for Door County, and Burke Penny, who is the Door County Parks Manager. And you're listening to the Door County Pulse Podcast. And until next time, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.